Hi, and welcome to Lift and Tilt. We're a material handling podcast that focuses on the issues uh, facing the material handling industry, manufacturing, supply chain, and uh, parallel industries. I'm your host, Kurt Gunner. I'm joined today by my wife and co-host, Mandy Gunner. And uh, today's a short pour edition, so we're going to be focusing on um, uh, an article that we found uh, and uh, kind of uh, how it affects and some of the things that uh, were in this article that we've talked about in the past. Now, the, uh, the article is uh, from Supply Chain. It's called Unilever Float Sea Container Travel Factory Concept. Now, the reason why I think this is uh, kind of an interesting topic, you know, we, we've talked about how uh, supply chain diversity and resiliency is a big deal since COVID um, and, and what companies might be able to do in order to uh, alleviate some of the, the risk that is inherent with uh, supply chains today. Um, with COVID, you know, the, a lot of things that were overseas in terms of manufacturing uh, are, aren't, aren't possible. Supply chains were interrupted because of raw materials that people couldn't get a hold of, uh, as well as labor shortages and what have you. The things that we typically talked about was was diversity, like you might think of diversifying a portfolio, mm-hmm. where instead of focusing on one area of the country or uh, one area of the world, like China, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, for your raw materials and, and what have you, uh, that you would diversify that and, and pick raw materials or uh, manufacturing sites that are in different parts of the world uh, so that you're not relying on that and also kind of have secondary sure this is kind of a, a unique approach to it i haven't seen that it, and, and kind of tell us a little bit more about it and what you think about it yeah so unilever has this um kind of this idea that they've created where they're essentially creating a it's almost like a, a micro factory, a nano factory, a nano factory. Yeah. is what they, what they labeled it. Um, so they're using a shipping container. So they call it, they also called it a travel factory, um, was another notation that they use, but it's inside of a 40 foot shipping container where they essentially have one electric electrical input cable and one hose for water and that they could, produce in this case there this example they were producing um bouillon liquid bouillon for their food solutions business so um they're they're essentially i mean they're essentially saying that these are they're they're portable they're easy to maintain because you only need two or three people to to operate it and it's something that could essentially be used almost anywhere Right, and they said that it could be expanded to use, uh, you know, like condiments, ketchup, mayonnaise, ice cream products, yeah. um, and that these kind of travel uh, container, uh, portable uh, manufacturing facilities, yeah. nano facilities, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> they're automated end to end. So that it only takes like two or three people to yeah. operate a them. very skeleton crew, and it was essentially almost like. It's getting it's getting its direction and instruction from essentially the cloud right. to tell it like, hey, here's what we need you to do. And as you said, then there's only like a few people there that have to like just be there to make sure things are operating as as they should be. So it's it's kind of strange, uh, not strange, I, I guess, just to me to think that you could have in this example they were they were doing. Um, as we said, the liquid bouillon, I'm trying to find the, the note that they add here, uh, could produce 
Pilot Factory could produce around 300 tons of liquid bouillon seasoning every eight hours. It sounds like a lot. I don't know how much bouillon is normally produced, but it sounds like a lot. I don't know. 300 tons of anything seems like a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. If they could do that in eight hours, I don't know. Again, this is not my area of expertise, so it sounds a little crazy to me, but maybe that's pretty normal for yeah. them. But. Well, I think it's definitely some, uh, you know, kind of outside of the box thinking they, they took a different approach uh, than, you know, we thought of the things that were very expected. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you're going to diversify what you're what you're doing. This is the reason I wanted to talk about it because I was like, hey, that that's an interesting concept. That's a different idea. Um, it may or may not work uh, for everybody in certain manufacturing sure. facilities or, or, or types of goods. But uh, it was it's just an interesting way to look at it to to look at the problem and look at it in a different way well and it it was basically saying that you could take advantage of like local ingredients so Mm -hmm. you can move this to you know wherever you're sourcing your your raw materials from have it be there almost on site and that way you're not having to like ship the materials to the actual factory to to start processing it so it kind of cuts down that that expense it also was talking about um, the fact that you could essentially do this almost anywhere, and you're not having to like boot up a full scale um, production line. In in this case, what they're referring to is like low volume mm-hmm. product. Which, you know, if we talk about economies of scale, if you're doing low volume and it takes just as much space and energy to run a production line um, as compared to like a high volume product yes of course you're going to have you know your efficiencies are not going to be there so if you could utilize this kind of model um and for those low volume products seems like it would make a lot of sense and probably have a lot of cost savings involved yeah plus the risk mitigation i mean you're talking about whether it's a a political uh, geological uh, biological issue that may strike an area it just packs up and moves. Yeah, you know yeah. it's 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 not it's not stuck in that one area. Yeah, and I know right now you know they're they're talking about using it as you said within their kind of food solutions businesses for condiments. So they were talked about ketchup, mayonnaise, or ice cream products. But then they also talked about you know how how can in this case Unilever use it for their like cosmetics or like personal care mm-hmm. uh, products as well so I mean I don't know the, the person who, who they the engineering manager was quoted as saying uh, a new dynamic model where thousands of nano factories could be run from a central system allowing us to have flexible production lines wherever and whenever needed so I don't know it's, it's kind of crazy to think that you could have kind of that they called it an ecosystem mm-hmm. um that is so portable and could essentially yeah put it anywhere and it could be that it just produces <laughs> components for something bigger like if you were trying to use this for like yeah. let's say auto manufacturing or something mm-hmm. like that sure you couldn't produce a car in there but you know you could have one nano factory that's producing starters and one that's producing alternators yeah. or, or something yeah uh, if you're if or you're components not, even for those yeah so if you're you know, if I'm thinking about our, our production facilities and the materials that we use, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, because we have a lot of component parts that mm-hmm. are used. So it's like, yeah, why why couldn't you utilize these little nano factories for some of that? You know, 
I, I mean... I think one of the other questions I have, like, you know, we're talking about doing it for, uh, you know, uh, I'll call hard good manufacturing, like, you know, like metal type items. You know, I think that's where those 3D printer type things come into effect. You know, they're probably not going to have the volume you'd have at a traditional manufacturing facility. Um, But, you know, it comes with the fact that it has less risk management. One of the things that I'm going to ask you, and I know this is not your area of expertise, uh, but, you know, you're the only financial person in the room, so you have more expertise than me. That makes you the expert. You know more than I do about this topic. Uh, okay. How this may either be leveraged or detrimental one way or the other uh, in terms of taxation and stuff. You know, typically you have to buy a piece of land or a piece of property to handle this. Now you have a much smaller scale, and uh, particularly if it's on the water, like, I'm curious how that affects like taxes. You don't have to take property taxes, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Cause it, yeah, they were just talking about this having these like floating, <laughs> these floating uh, facilities. But I mean, if you think about just a just a plant footprint, just in general, and you know, there's usually at least some piece of the property that's you know, open for some reason, um, whether it's, you know, just a corner of the parking lot or, you know, you've got some extra just space outside of a building or whatever. Um, I mean, I feel like you could, you know, whereas you couldn't maybe utilize that space with traditional methods or buildings. I mean, you would certainly think that you would be able to at least utilize some of it with this kind of Mm -hmm. format since they are pretty small and, Right. Um, self-sufficient. So. Yeah. And I mean, these were on boats, but you could definitely, you know, just use a tractor trailer type, like you, mm-hmm. in the event you needed to, to move it, you know, you'd have to, to hire right. a truck driver. Um, this in some ways reminds me a little bit of uh, uh, Google server farms. So Google, whenever they started building their server uh, farms that house everything, they wanted the ability uh, in the event of, some kind of massive disruption to be able to pick them up and move them. Sure. So they built all of their server rooms into shipping containers. Mm -hmm. So you just have these massive rows of shipping containers. Yeah. um, So that at any point in time, they can unplug part of the internet, so to speak, (laughs) (laughs) move it across the country and plug it back in Yeah. and uh, reset it up. And um, I think, like I said, I I think it's an interesting concept. I I would like to see it, uh, you know, you know, these are pilot factories, obviously. Yeah. Um, I would like to look, you know, into the future and be able to see what they find out. Yeah. And I, I think especially like for we're talking about food, food solutions right now. So um, how how would that translate into like, a, like you said, more hard, hard goods and how to what extent? I mean, certainly, like you said, you can't build a whole car in mm-hmm. one of these containers, but all of the components I don't know. I guess it makes me it makes me think um, just from a component standpoint. If you're trying to to do that, like the inputs that you need, you still have to have space to store mm-hmm. whatever inputs you're utilizing for your component. So that's right. still needed space. But if there's a way to have it be just in time inventory where you're you know, your materials are coming in as you need them. Right. I guess would be most optimal. Yeah. 
<clears throat> I think the other thing I would have questions about, um, like one OSHA regulations, like how is that? Like this has got to be completely different than anything OSHA's ever done before. You know, it's a very small page, particularly like if you're, you know, most places when you're producing things like ventilation is primarily what I'm thinking about. Yeah. You know, how, how does that work? I'm sure they've, you know, it doesn't talk about that in the article, yeah, but I'm sure and that I mean, they've, they've got like one, one picture. It's kind of hard to see, uh, in the picture that they have and there, there is ventilation there, but it, as you said, like to what extent, um, I don't know. I mean... And then the other thing that I think I would have questions about, you know, this is a floating one. Um, and the kind of the first thing that kind of hit me was like, what are the ecological impacts? Um, you know, the waste that is produced by this thing, does it go directly in the ocean? Like, do they ha- how did they capture that? Um, and if we're talking about hard goods, then, you know, you have to have a place to store that or remove that or have somebody come right. pick up. So I, I think there's some other questions that I would have about how that part of it works. Yeah, and I think um, I don't know. That, that's those are good questions, and <clears throat> I'm sure if the Unilever people were here and we could ask them, they'd have total answers too. But yeah, well, I'll send them a copy of it, and we'll you know tell them get back with me. Have your people <laughs> contact my people, and we'll we'll hash this out. Yeah. No, I, I think it's a very interesting uh, look. I would actually like to see some of the automation companies mm-hmm. build these little modular buildings that are like this. Yeah. That instead of coming into your warehouse and tearing stuff down and resetting it up and reconfiguring or whatever, that if they could put something in the shipping container that you could come set up for whatever purposes yeah. and then it just kind of attaches onto your building somewhere or form mm-hmm. is very modular very plug and play yeah um could be used for companies that have uh spikes trends uh right. seasonality right. that they need that and it's almost a rental business at that point so it's just it's really just there to um help you out whenever you need a, a boost in right uh, output or what have you yeah I don't know. It, it, if nothing else, like I said, it, it was something that broke through the news. I've been looking for like a week and a half about what we we're going to talk about, yeah. and I haven't seen anything. And I saw this, and I was like, you know, that holds my attention. That's something that's interesting, sure. different. Um, I like that they were very innovative with uh, how they they figured out how to to solve that mm-hmm. that problem, that conundrum that they were right. having. Whether it works or not it is yet to remain to be seen. But you know. Time will tell. All right. That's all I have about this particular topic. Uh, we're going to, you know, we'll drop a link to this article. Uh, you can check it out for yourself. Uh, we obviously always appreciate you guys listening. Uh, you know, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give us a thumbs up or a like or, you know, five stars, whatever it might be on uh, the, the medium that you're listening to it uh, through, whether that be Apple Play. Um, no, I'm sorry. iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud, our website, whatever it might be. Um, We always appreciate your feedback and input, and um, we hope to hit you up with a a full episode uh, later this month. Bye, y'all. Bye.